Hello and welcome to My Chaotic Mind. I'm Kaz and in this podcast I'll be sharing my thoughts, opinions and experiences juggling adult life with eating disorder recovery. And maybe there'll even be a laugh or two along the way because let's face it, being an adult is difficult enough without throwing an eating disorder into the mix. So, if you're ready, it's time to come with me through the looking glass. I do hope that you are enjoying the beautiful summer weather. Who am I kidding? I'm recording this over a week in advance. I have no idea what the weather is like. And I'm in Scotland, so that means it's probably raining. But you've got to look on the positive side, you know. At least it's probably warm rain. Before I get properly into this episode, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who's taken the time to rate this podcast and also to send me a direct message on Instagram. Bearing all the way that I am in this podcast, I can't lie, it's slightly terrifying and so to know that some people can relate to it and even draw some comfort from it honestly means the world to me. As with the previous episode, I do want to issue a trigger warning. There will be more detailed discussion of eating disordered behaviours. If this is something that may be unhelpful for you, then you may want to skip this episode. With that said, let's get on with this week's topic, recovering whilst working. There is no doubt that recovering from an eating disorder is difficult whatever age you happen to be but I do think that being in later adult life brings its own set of difficulties which maybe aren't as relevant for those in their teens and early 20s. You may have a mortgage or rent to pay, a car to run, you may even have kids to feed And this adds an extra element of pressure when you cannot afford to give up working in order to focus completely on recovery. I have experienced working both full-time and part-time alongside having an eating disorder and being both in and out of recovery. My working life has largely been spent within the retail sector. I have worked both on shop floors and in call centres and it has been for a variety of companies. It's an industry I fell into more or less by accident. I've never had any ambitions to work in that sector and for me They were just jobs. None of them were ever things I really viewed as possible careers. And I do think that also does make a difference. I'm approaching this subject as somebody who worked very much to earn money just to pay the bills and have a bit of fun, not as someone who's put years of time and effort and energy into developing and progressing along a career path or something that I'm really passionate about. I would love to have been able to get passionate about personal loans and washing machines. I just couldn't do it. My current status is unemployed. However, if anyone is looking for a presenter, I am available. 
Every single job I've had from my very first Saturday job at the age of 16, I have ended up losing because of my eating disorder, whether directly or indirectly. Some employers have been far more understanding than others, but my advice would be if there is a union you can join, join it. You never know when you might need their support. I wish I could tell you that this episode will contain tips on how to balance your working life with your eating disorder recovery, but I've never managed to recover whilst working. I am, however, going to share my experiences, some good, mostly bad, and things which I have found helpful and unhelpful. Perhaps there'll be some things you can take away and implement in your own working life, and maybe it will help you to avoid some of the pitfalls. If you do happen to have any friends who work in HR, you might want to send them a link to this episode. And I'm certainly not suggesting that you send it to your boss. But there were times I was working when I was actively trying to recover from my eating disorder. And there were also times when I was actively engaged in trying to lose weight and During these times, I formed some extremely bad habits, which when I was then trying to recover, I had to try to break. And I'm going to discuss some of these and some of the difficulties I experienced with these in this episode. So when I worked on the shop floor, I was basically paid to be on my feet all day and there was a lot of moving around. And although we could go to a staff room when we had our breaks, it was a very small staff room, very cramped. And I tended to go out into the shopping centre and just walk around the shops when it was my break. This was really, really difficult when it came to trying to recover because firstly, I'm someone who struggles with an exercise compulsion. And I say that in the present tense because I have not yet conquered that, but I couldn't reduce the amount of walking and standing on my feet I was doing while I was at work because there wasn't anywhere to sit down and we had to be attending to customers and checking the shelves, cleaning, things like that. So it was a very active, very busy job. I could have sat down during my breaks and I just I just didn't I allowed the eating disorder to just stay in control with that and keep me moving and ultimately I did not recover while I was in that kind of job if that's the sort of work you're doing where you're on your feet all day or you have to move around a lot you've really got to stay on top of making sure that you take regular breaks and you are sitting down and when you're not at work you're not engaging in unnecessary movement and if it's something that's become habitual it's really really difficult. Eating disorders thrive on routine and you may not even be aware that you're engaging in unnecessary movement particularly if it's low level movement. And by that, I mean things like swinging your legs or tapping your feet while you're sitting down or 
taking five trips to get the ironing up the stairs when you could have done it in two. And if you're living alone, you don't have somebody else who can point this out to you. You don't have someone you can mentally compare yourself to that might cause you to say, hang on a minute, am I actually moving about more than I need to? The eating disorder can just sneak in there and convince you that everything's absolutely fine. When I moved into the call centre sector, I found myself having to deal with shift patterns where I would be working different hours every single week. Now, I was lucky. I never had a job where I had to do a night shift, but there were late shifts that started at 2pm and finished at 8pm. This made it almost impossible to have regular meal times. Breaks were not only governed by what shift I happened to be working, but also by what time the call I happened to take before I went on a break or indeed went home finished. Because in a call centre, you're not allowed to end a call just because it's 12.30 and it's lunchtime. You have to wait for that call to come to a natural end, whether that takes two minutes, 20 minutes or an hour. And if you've ever worked in a call centre, I'm sure you've had at least one occasion where a couple of minutes before you finish your shift and are about to go home, you get that one call that takes you forever to deal with. An eating disorder is also going to impact on your performance at work. It doesn't matter how hard you try or how good you are at your job. When you are restricting your calorie intake, your brain is always going to be at least partially focused on food, whether that's just thinking about it, thinking about ways to avoid it, thinking about ways to burn it off. You're not going to be able to be fully engaged in any other task. I'm lucky I was always able to do my job and do it well, but I know I could have done it better had I not had the eating disorder. And I was not in a highly responsible job, such as something in medicine or teaching, where it was vitally important that I was fully focused. If you're in a role which involves meeting certain targets or deadlines, and you use your eating disorder to help manage stress and anxiety, then it can become a very vicious cycle and very, very hard to break. I know that many people who have eating disorders also have a strong perfectionist streak. This can make us feel we need to perform better, work harder, achieve more than anyone is expecting of us. And this can result in an overwhelming sense of guilt. If we have the audacity to do something such as take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break to which you are perfectly entitled, especially if it's unpaid. We are not stuck in the industrial revolution working 16 hour shifts six days a week and then spending four hours at church on Sundays. Regular breaks are an important tool in coping with stress and pressure. If you're starving and exhausted, you're not going to be able to do the best that you can. There's a high chance you're going to make mistakes that are going to cause even more work for yourself or your colleagues further down the line. 
If you wouldn't expect your colleagues to do something, why would you expect it of yourself? Don't be harsher to yourself than you would be to anyone else. If you're working while you eat lunch or skipping breaks to do work and it's only once or twice, that's maybe okay. But if it's a regular thing, it's a problem. The more unwell I became, the more demands on my time the eating disorder was making. And this absolutely impacted on my work. I was getting up at 5am for an 8am start so I could fit my exercise in before beginning my shift at work. I would exercise during the day whenever I could. I would skip breaks. I would skip meals. I would sometimes ask to leave work early and I'm very, very ashamed of this but so that I could come home and binge and purge and I'm sure I'm not the only person who has been in this situation. I would then have to work back the time that I'd taken off for that early finish or effectively waste my holidays on my eating disorder. Thankfully, it was a very rare occurrence that I would sometimes be going to work with just three or four hours of sleep. Very often I would have severe headaches and other physical symptoms that you get when you have a restrictive eating disorder or you're binging and purging. Things like being cold, being uncomfortable, being hungry all the damn time. And it was horrendous. Eventually, I did reach a point where it was decided that I needed to take some time off work to really focus on my recovery. And my employer were very understanding about this and they did keep me employed whilst I was off work. However, it was fine for the first couple of months, but after that, I started to feel like I was under pressure. Every time my phone rang, I would feel sick with anxiety and dread in case it was my manager calling to check up on me and ask me if I knew when I would be returning to work. Now, I know my manager was only doing that because of pressure being put on them, but it really did not help my situation Ultimately, I ended up going back to work before I should have. I was not mentally ready and the work I had done during recovery had not had enough time to become really ingrained. What happened was that quite slowly at first and then very, very quickly, I slipped back into all my old habits and I became more unwell than ever. It did reach the point where I had to go off work again and the eventual outcome of that was my work and I both agreed very amicably to terminate my employment. It's very important to state they did not sack me because I was unwell and it was a mutual agreement. However, that has not been my experience with all the jobs I have been in. I consider myself extremely lucky with my last employer because they were very willing to work with me 
to find a shift pattern I could do. We very quickly realised I was not going to be able to do full-time hours, but we worked out how many hours I could do and what days would suit me and what breaks I would need. And they were willing to be reasonably flexible and that was really, really helpful. Sadly, it wasn't enough to enable me to recover because by that stage, I think I was just too unwell. But if you do have a good HR department and you do have an employer with whom you can have a really open and honest discussion about what you can and can't do, it's definitely worth giving it a go. Tell them what you need or what you feel would help. Don't wait for them to offer because chances are they probably won't. And don't be afraid to ask your GP or your mental health team, if you have one, to get involved in these discussions. Because at the end of the day, you're all working towards the same goal, which is for you to be able to do your job, do it well and live your life. Although not necessarily with the same level of priority. It took me a long time to accept that sometimes I need help and that I shouldn't feel ashamed when I do. I'm not always able to state what I need or to advocate for myself and I'm ill and it shouldn't matter if someone has a physical illness or a mental illness. Someone who is ill may need support at some point and there's nothing wrong with that. Hopefully, one thing employers have now realised as a result of the COVID pandemic is how easy it actually can be to have a greater degree of flexibility when it comes to things like working patterns and working from home. I appreciate that working from home is not an option for all career paths. You can't exactly do brain surgery in your kitchen because you're not Hannibal Lecter. If you need to reduce your hours or go part-time for a while to really focus on your recovery, then please do consider doing that. You can speak to the Citizens Advice Bureau about financial help that may be available if you need that. When I went back to work that first time and I wasn't really ready, I knew I wasn't really ready. I was doing what I thought everyone else wanted me to do and what I thought would please everyone else. I gave in to the pressure that was being put on me and I didn't stop to consider what was actually best for me. And in doing that, I may have set my recovery back by several years. I don't have a DeLorean. I can't go back and change it. But if I hadn't gone back, if I'd made a different choice, my life right now could be very, very different. Sadly, we live in a time where many employers are far more willing to make concessions for physical illness than they are for mental illness. But fingers crossed, this really is something that is starting to change. There can still be a real lack of understanding around eating disorders in the workplace. And I have often 
felt and I think been judged for having an eating disorder. I clearly remember a manager once telling me to keep my arms covered in the summer because it was distressing some of my other colleagues. Had I been at the opposite end of the weight spectrum, I don't think he would have dared say that to me. And looking back now, I can see how unacceptable it was. But at the time, I just took it. Most adults spend most of their life at work. That's an awful lot of time to be spending with this one group of people. And it can be so isolating if you have an eating disorder, particularly when it comes to socialising at work events and with colleagues. I remember I used to eat my lunch in my car because I couldn't eat with my colleagues. I was so scared of being judged or having them comment on what I was eating. And I was ashamed to even be seen with food, which is really quite sad. But it's a situation many, many people are having to deal with because they've also got an eating disorder. This next thing, perhaps I am being a little oversensitive about, it is going to mention numbers, but not in relation to any real people. But in January, to help motivate those who wanted to lose weight and get fit, there would be a Biggest Loser competition. And this would be advertised everywhere. And I remember speaking to a manager about a very poorly worded poster. It was explaining the rules of the competition and that in order to win, it would be the person who lost the biggest percentage of their body weight. So if you had two people, one weighing 200 pounds and one weighing 100 pounds, and they both lost 10 pounds, it would be the person who started off at 100 pounds who would be the winner because they would have lost the biggest percentage of body weight. And I said that anyone who was £100 and lost £10 would very likely be very, very unwell. This was just laughed off. I can understand perhaps why I was met with that reaction. The manager was perhaps a little uncomfortable and everyone by that stage knew I had an eating disorder and I don't think any of them understood just how triggering that was for me. There were also signs all over the place encouraging us to take the stairs and to make different food choices. I'm sure you know exactly the kinds of things I'm talking about and Yes, I can understand that perhaps expecting all these things to be changed just for my illness would be a bit extreme. But come on, be sensible. If you're going to have a poster encouraging people to lose weight, at least think about what you're writing and the numbers that you're putting on that poster. Make it realistic. My relapse was actually triggered by a group diet at work. I take responsibility for that because I made the choice to go on the diet. I had no idea it would result in a full-on relapse, but it just shows how much 
the working environment can affect somebody's mental and physical health. When you've had a leave of absence from work and people know it's because you've been unwell, you're invariably going to get comments from well-meaning colleagues when you return. Comments like, it's great to see you doing so much better and you're really looking so well. I think these are probably two of the worst statements you can make to someone who has an eating disorder because the eating disorder brain will immediately twist that into, you look fat. It's really important to remember that that is not what people are saying. That is what the eating disorder is telling us. I know that if I see someone I haven't seen for quite some time, I'm going to want to pay them a compliment. I want to make them feel good about themselves. And that's probably all that your colleagues will be trying to do when they make these remarks. They're not likely to come up to you and go, God, you're back? You look like shit, man. Because that just would not be very nice. They may be telling you that you look better or you look well because they don't know what else to say. Or they may be referring to something you've done with your hair or your makeup or the outfit you're wearing. If they say to you, you look great, they might not mean anything to do with your physical shape. They might be talking about the way you've put your outfit together. And it's just important to try and remember this when the eating disorder voice is screaming in your head that everyone is telling you how fat and big you look and how much weight you've gained. They aren't saying any of those things and they don't mean any of those things. They're just trying to welcome you back and make you feel as comfortable as possible. It's unfortunate that there is an awful lot of ignorance around eating disorders and a lot of people have a very limited understanding, much of which comes from the stereotypes perpetuated by the media. If you're returning to work and your colleagues know that you've been off because you have an eating disorder and that you've been in recovery and here you are back after a couple of months, they may well expect you to be better. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you know how ridiculous that notion is and that nothing could be further from the truth. But particularly, I think, when someone has an eating disorder and they are weight restored, there is a misconception that they are now better. I think quite often, mentally, you can be worse when you are weight restored because you are no longer engaging in those coping mechanisms that you once were. I'm not saying that you can't recover from an eating disorder whilst working. You can. I didn't, but that doesn't mean that I couldn't in the future. I've hopefully highlighted some of the traps I fell into and the mistakes that I made and the things that I could and maybe should have done differently so that if you find yourself in a similar position, maybe you can avoid those same pitfalls. 
If you're going to recover, you need to give yourself the best fighting chance possible. And that doesn't always mean that you're going to have the ideal set of circumstances. In fact, it's highly unlikely you'll have the ideal set of circumstances because that's not how life works. But if there are conversations you can have with your work that are going to make it easier for you, have them. Don't be afraid to tell them what would help or what you feel you need or about things which aren't going to help. If sending this podcast to your colleagues will help so that they don't keep telling you how fabulous and great you look, send it. If I can help, I'm happy to. I think I've probably spoken enough about the subject for this episode. I do hope it's been useful in some way. And I also hope that you will come back for the next episode. I have a couple of guests joining me and I am really looking forward to sharing that conversation with you. But for now, take care and goodbye. You've been listening to My Chaotic Mind with me, Kaz. Please do rate, share and subscribe to this podcast if you have enjoyed it. You can follow me on Instagram at edpodcaz. That is edpodcaz, C-A-Z. Please do feel free to send me a direct message on there if you want to. And I hope to see you back here soon for the next episode.